Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Balls free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Welcome in, everyone. It is August 2nd, and that means we have officially arrived to the first week of preseason camp for the South Carolina Gamecocks. You are listening to Believe in South Carolina. I am Mike Yuba. He is Nick Klaus. And joining us, as always, former Gamecock running back Marcus Lattimore. Boys, we are getting closer to the games kicking off. But to say that preseason camp has officially arrived, mm, mm. Such a sweet, sweet, sweet thing to hear. To say that college football will be played this month mm. is an amazing thing to hear. Mm. Just the wait, the wait's almost over. Only three more weeks, about a month, and we can watch some college football. And you look at this time last year, it was so many unknowns because of obviously the pandemic that we were going through. And, you know, what was going to happen, the restrictions in different stadiums, people wearing masks. COVID is still prevalent, but we're almost back to normality. So, I mean, it's williams Bryce going to be rocking. You bring that up because you bring that up when you look at, number one, which took place over the last couple of years with COVID. Because there were still some people who didn't feel comfortable going to, to games last year. And depending on what their medical conditions were, and I'm not going to try to go down a rabbit hole here, all right? You have your own opinions on everything, have at it. And I'm talking to the listeners. But with that being said, on top of the fact that you did have a fan base who apathy started to kick in a little bit, and they wanted to be able to find a reason to cheer for this team. And even though this, this Gamecock squad did things, I mean, the fact that they were able to get seven wins in year one after having six wins combined, that's one of my favorite stats to throw mm. out there the two previous seasons. I just want to remind people that of how far they came. Was it a perfect season last year by any means? No. Could they have certainly finished the year with only four wins? Absolutely. I mean, they don't have the Zeb Nolan comeback win against Vanderbilt. The last thing that we remember of the 2021 season is a 30 to nothing loss against Clemson. There's no bowl game. It's five and seven, the regular season. That's all she wrote folks. Spencer Rattler. Does he come? Maybe not Austin Stogner. Maybe not. And this whole off season could be completely different. Now that's just one example, but we could do that for multiple games. Right? So I say all that because that fan base is seeing something that they haven't seen in quite some time. And that's energy. Yes. 
in Columbia. We've talked about this, right? And it's not trying to downplay what your teams were able to do, Marcus, during that 2010 to 2013 stretch or even beforehand when they were able to, to build that foundation. But it just it, it feels totally different in this city right now than it's felt in, in a long, long time. Mike, if I'm, if I'm being honest, man, we were supposed to do that back then. We really were. Like, we were supposed to win 10-plus games a year. I mean, just look. You got Jadavion Clowney on your football team. Stephon, Stephon Gilmore, who, who's going to probably be a potential Hall of Fame. We were supposed to win. Look at the roster that Coach Beamer has. Not saying that we don't have talented players. But the, the the caliber of players that we had, imagine what he could imagine what he could do. Mm. I mean, it's just the potential, man. It, it, it he showed last year how effective of a coach he is. He really did, and I mean, like, like putting together the pieces. I mean, uh, the 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 story that I mean, you just mentioned the name Zeb Nolan. Nobody knew who Zeb Nolan was, but he was prepared to play. He knew the offense like the back of his hand. Can I tell you a funny story about Zeb? So Please. we went out to preseason practice last year, preseason camp. And this was shortly after the injury to Luke Doty. And you know, you know the Finkster. The Finkster's not going to put anything out there. Steve Fink does a tremendous job as the sports information director for, for USC football. He's not going to put anything out there in, until, you know, coach puts it out. Or, or in this case, he's not going to mention anything unless someone asks. So I just remember going out to practice shortly after, maybe a day or two, whenever the first time we were able to go out there after Luke Doty got hurt and there was a practice that was open to the media because not every practice is open to the media. And you're, you know, you're there for maybe three, four, five periods or so, stretch period, whoop-de-doo, get to learn a lot about what's going on and who's pliable and all that. Just kidding, guys. When I say guys, meaning the coaching staff, we, we appreciate you letting us go in there. But – I see this guy wearing 25, and I'm like, who the hell is that guy? And I just go over to Fink, and he's like, yeah, it's Zeb Nolan. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, who the hell Zeb Nolan? And I remember going over. And he, look, over that's his, the thing about Fink. He doesn't give you anything. He just, no. give, he just gives you his name. He doesn't, he, he doesn't go into any detail. But like, it wasn't like Fink was hiding anything. It you was asked who like, it was, and he said, yeah, like, who was Nolan. it? He was like this. I'm like this. Oh, okay. Because, you know, I feel like – I. I feel like I, I know this team good enough, especially now because I'm covering with Gamecock Central. I mean, that my, my life now is just covering the Gamecocks. Before, I'd be covering Clemson. You know, I was at Watch Fox. I'd cover some high school as well. Just the Gamecocks now and recruits. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I missed this name. And I went over to David Cloninger, maybe, or the Posting Courier or someone else. I'm like, who's Zeb Nolan? And they're like, what? And they said, yeah, 25, Zeb Nolan. They said, that's the grad assistant. And I'm like, oh, well, I wonder if Fink screwed that up. I mean, he said that he's suited up. And then everyone, everyone binoculars, everyone starts like, you know, they're like, holy crap. That's the, why the hell is the grad? And we found out more information later on. But I just, I'll never forget that. I'm just like, oh, it's Zeb Nolan. Who the hell is Zeb Nolan? I'm like, wait a minute. He was in my golf group in the media. That can't be him. I, that has to be a mistake. Nope, it was him. Hmm. That was 
such a crazy situation. <laughs> the fact that that happened, that 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 actually happened, and that's I not. Mean, and that's not even the craziest thing I've seen in South Carolina. Friggin' my first year down here, fifty-five-year-old Joe Thomas Seniors running the ball at South Carolina State. But oh, I remember that story. We've seen Pop play receiver, Tim Frisbee, Marcus. Oh man! <laughs> but, but but you know what? Yeah. <clears throat> like that story about Zeb Nolan. I I think I think it speaks to Coach Beamer and the staff. I I, I really do because. And it speaks to why they work all these hellacious hours that they work, like these 18-hour days. Like, F that. You can have that. But but I respect it. I really do respect it because it's like you have to think about your plan A, your plan B, your plan C at every position. And I know that's what's like – you know, when I think about all of the time that they spend in the meeting room, how much time is dedicated to that piece? Mm. Yeah. You know, like making sure, okay, if this happens, then what happens? If this guy gets hurt, okay, who can fill in at the, you know, like that? I don't know. I, maybe that's happening all across the country, but I, I, I just think it's a testament to Coach Beamer. You know, well, I, I think. Sorry to cut you off, Mark. No, you I good. think I think that you know Beamer's been around football his whole life. He's been a coach, um, you know, at Oklahoma, Georgia, all these schools. So that's something I agree. I think he knows from experience. But this is, I mean, talk about an introduction to being a head coach in your first year, where you're you're playing four different quarterbacks. Mm. You know, you're you're rotating running backs. I mean, that really. That was probably if it if he did wasn't already prepared, which I'm sure he was. That's got to be a wake up call of you need to be deep at every position because oh, everyone needs to be ready to play. And then you look at the roster going into this season. I mean, look at the tight ends, the tight end room, crazy. The running back room, I'm really excited to see that. Christian Beal Smith, you know, Juju McDowell, Marshawn Lloyd, all those guys. Marshawn Lloyd, I think, is going to carry most of the weight, but I, it could be any of them on any given day. And, you know, it, that's just a huge wake, wake up call to Beamer in his first year of you have to have players ready at every position because, you know, it's not going to go according to plan because year one did not go according to plan and it turned out better than they thought. So mm. and it there's works. one thing, too. There's one thing, Nick, and I'm not trying to be a smart ass when I say this that you forgot. It's that wide receiver room. Two years ago, mm. people mm. were saying there's zero depth. There's no talent. There's nothing. Bunch of scrubs. Look how that room has evolved in two years. Now, granted, I've always believed South Carolina, especially the, the time that I've been down here since 2016, there's always been one or two guys that have really stood out. And it seems like it's always been one guy that has that season, right? Whether it be Debo and then Brian Edwards had that season. Then it was Shai Smith. You can keep going on and on and on. The point being is when you look at the depth they have this year, anyone is capable of going off. Now, I believe, you know, a guy like Antoine Wells Jr., if he can be able to, to, build that chemistry quickly and understand the offense early on, that guy could be very special. I'm interested to see what can to carry on Joyner will do. A guy like Corey Rucker, who will not get the amount of attention that he deserves, maybe until later on in the year. And I say later on, it could be as early as week three. 
he's a guy that has so much versatility. And that's what the coaches tell you is that he's capable of playing multiple positions. And as Marcus knows, and shoot, you don't even need to be Marcus. You don't even need to be a former player. No, Nick, you know this. The more versatility that you bring, and obviously the most important part, availability, if you can do those two things, you're going to be able to make an impact early on. So when you look at that wide receiver room, it's going to be interesting. We will get to that in a minute. I do want to talk about the running back room. And Marcus brought up something interesting that we'll get into in the running back room, that there could be a little change up, if you will. But Marcus, I know we've talked about Marshawn Lloyd on this program multiple times. I know that you have a relationship with him. I know that he reached out to you two years ago when the poor, the then poor freshman tore his ACL at the beginning of camp. One of the most highly touted recruits that South Carolina has had at that position since they recruited you. He had that year last year to be able to get his mentals back. He's coming back now. What do you expect from that young man? Well, we can talk about Marshawn Lloyd all day. I mean, he is – I mean, he's great. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 My expectation is that he – how do I say this? I don't even know how to say this. My expectation of him is that, you know, I obviously he's a little bit dis, disappointed in himself. I, I, and, and when I say that, I mean he he knows how great he is, like, it, and because he wasn't at full tilt, he wasn't able to showcase that. You know, I mean, he he was at a point where he felt good enough to go play. And he contributed, and he produced, and he did what, and he did did his thing. But internally, when you look at yourself, like when you look at your game and you know who you are, he's not satisfied. He's not satisfied, and I think he's going to go into camp with that mindset that I wasn't satisfied. Um, <clears throat> and that's that's a. Uh, that's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of teams like a, mm-hmm. a Marshawn Lloyd that is unsatisfied in the way that he played. Um, He's unsatisfied is, and back to full health too. That is able to run that way. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, no, no, no. Just uh, reading and, that and, right and now. That, and I mean that, that, that right there is that scary. I mean, because we all know what he, we, we all know his capability. Um, and and you, you use the word versatility. His versatility. I mean, he's he can run inside. He can run outside. He catches the ball. And I mean, he's hard. Like his body is is his physique. He he's he's tough. Like he can block. He he can do everything that you ask him to do. So, um, Marshawn Marshawn Lloyd. I, you know, I, I hadn't I hadn't spoken to him, but you know, I. I I'm pretty sure he's he's ready to show a lot, uh, uh, show that full full potential, that optimal level. And then the thing about think about that that's unachievable, the optimal level. So he's just going to continue to get better and better and better. I'm excited to see him play. I, I mean, we talked we talked about 
um we've talked about it a lot with the mental part and you you mentioned it mike when you brought this topic up um and seeing him now you know come back he had that year last year as a redshirt freshman to get back to getting in the game getting reps and now we saw that initial burst might have been you know not what it used to be but from what you're hearing is that's getting back to where it was what we made him special because i remember when he came on campus and just for spring practice people were saying holy crap Mm. like this kid is special and then he tears his acl and you know that's just wind out of the sail and you feel so deflated and you can't imagine how he feels i'm saying fans feel that way you can't imagine how he feels so he's gonna gonna be ready i have no doubt he's gonna be ready to attack this season and also, you talked about his physique, Marcus. He's a tank. He is huge. His legs are giant. I mean, you compare him, like, I think about body size. You know Rondell Moore? You've seen yes. him squat 600 pounds. They have the same body type. And then you also see a picture. This is unrelated, but you see a picture of him and Jordan Birch next to each other. Ridiculous. Because Jordan Birch, his calves are the size of, like, of like Lloyd's head. And it's ridiculous. But... um. He's going to be ready. And then you also have Christian Beale Smith and Juju McDowell, who is lightning fast. I mean, the speed on him is insane. So the running back room is going to be excited. But I do think Marshawn Lloyd is going to be the front runner. And before I think we he's going to have those, that type of season. Before we get into those two guys, I do want to ask you something, Marcus, because I feel like you're the only person that can really provide a adequate and unique perspective on it. When we talk about not being satisfied or feeling like you haven't lived up to the expectations, at least externally, and that's obviously not something that Marshawn has been able to have control over because those injuries just happen, but he might feel that way. How do you balance when you come back from an injury, knowing that you have all these internal feelings and you want to go out there and you want to prove to so many people who might think, okay, a lot of talent, but unfortunately injuries happen. It's just not going to pan out. How do you balance that from being able to take care of business and being able to do what your team ultimately needs you to do and not worried about everything that everyone's saying on the outside? Yeah, that's such a good question, Mike, because it it's inevitable, you know, that you, your mind going to that place of the external like worrying about the external. Um, yeah, he's not satisfied. He's not satisfied, and this is where your coach comes in. This is where the coach has to uh, – Coach Hardesty, our director of player development, Demo, Coach Beamer. I mean, this is where they come in, and, and, and they, they, they tame his – they tame his expectations – they help him tame his expectations so that he can focus on what he needs to do. And that's just every play doing your job. Every play, do your job, like recenter your focus back to that point. That's what coaches do. That That's why that's what separates the <clears throat> like coaches who, who do have high profile players and do have a lot of expectations on them from the outside world that they are, they a lot, they have the capability to redirect 
that player's focus to what is now, like what is pertinent. And it, he can't do it by himself because it's just so much noise. And I mean, heck, he's going to be on Twitter. He's going to be on Instagram. Uh, you know, they watch ESPN. I mean, like just all of these different outlets coming at you. Well, what can you what like what can you redirect to? I mean, that's yeah, that's on the coaches. It's it, it, it can't be on him because it's because it's he's overloaded with that stuff. And he's hearing it from people in Maryland. I mean, he came from South Carolina. Everybody in Maryland's watching him. You know, every everybody up down the East Coast knows who Marshawn Lloyd is, and he feels that. He may not feel it consciously, but it's in his mind, and and also what's in his mind is I got business to take care of. Like I I didn't I'm not at that level where I want to be, and I'm ready to show the world. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to show. So he's got the coaches have to help him tame that because you just can't do it by yourself. Mike, it, it's just so hard. Just so hard. A lot, so much, so much is coming at you. When you look at these other two running backs in particular, and that's not to write off a guy like, I think Amos, um, famous Amos here, but I think a lot of people outside of Marshawn Lloyd, they're looking at Juju McDowell. They're looking at Christian Beal Smith. And I think more people, more Gamecock fans especially are looking at Christian Beale Smith, a.k.a. CBS, a little bit more than maybe they originally did, especially after that spring football game because he showed a lot of bursts. He showed something special. Now, when you look at all three running backs, and I again, it's not to write off Amos, but looking at these three running backs because Amos had a great spring game, no question about it, and I think he could definitely be someone that can still make an impact on this team but I think we'd all agree that, you know, you start with these three running backs. I I just, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to use them. I don't because I know Marcus Satterfield in the spring talked about wanting to have a true running back. Marcus, I know you've hit upon it on before. You don't really need that anymore. And that's not to say Satterfield doesn't know what he's talking about and so all I need to do is open a can of worms. I'll let that fan base get all riled up about that. But I, I just don't – I don't know. I, I think it's more so saying that, but knowing internally – and I'm not trying to do any Jedi tricks with Marcus Satterfield here – knowing internally that you don't necessarily need that. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, well, well let, me, let me ask you all this. Like, how do you – how do you describe Christian Bill Smith's game? It, I mean, Nick, how, how would you describe, you know, from what you've seen from him in the spring and where he was previously, how do you describe his game? Because that, I think that determines how the rotation happens. I mean, I, everybody knows what number 21 can do. Uh, Juju, I mean, he's... I mean, golly, they put him in on the goal line to go get in the end zone. Like, he's just scrappy, aggressive. Like, um, he can do a lot, you know, and he he's obviously going to be – I mean, there were some games he, he started the game off. So, I mean, it, you, you know, I think this is what I appreciate about our offense, though. It's so unpredictable. Like, particularly at the running back position, you really don't know – 
what's going to happen. You, you you don't know. Uh, how, but but how would y'all describe? Because I I I love this game, Christian Bill Smith, but I have a hard time describing it. How would y'all mm-hmm. describe it? I mean, I mean, I think Mike can definitely talk about it a little more. He's seen in person um, his game more than I have. But, I mean, I definitely saw him in the spring game, saw his burst, his quickness. You know, he's a little bit – I think he is not – I wouldn't say huge, but I know he's like 5'9", what, 205 around, bigger guy. Um, you know, I from what I've seen, I think Lloyd and him have similarities. I do – I think Lloyd is more – you know, uh, maybe more naturally gifted um, athletically. But Beal Smith, I mean, he had over 600 yards, Wake Forest, seven touchdowns last year. And he's proven what he can do and be a solid running back. But I honestly think, Mike, you could probably describe better because I'm having trouble putting the words, but I understand now what Marcus means. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to describe his game, but I, I like it. I really do. I had to compare it to someone to give Gamecock fans like an idea. I would compare his running style very similarly to the second Mike Davis. Not the OG Mike Davis, but the second Mike Davis. He can bob and dart and make guys miss, but he's not one of those guys that you would naturally think that when you look at him. You would think more, okay, he's more just going to be a power guy. No, he's got a little wiggle to him. Um, I think the beauty of it is when you look at, and Marcus, you would know better. I mean, you saw the the second, you saw both Mike Davises, but I, I think the beauty is when you look at just the skill sets, the unique skill sets all three running backs have, and it's not like saying they're all one-trick ponies. They're all one-dimensions. We've seen that with running backs, right? Um, that's not the case with these guys. Marshawn Lloyd has the ability to do a lot of things. He's quick. He's shifty. He can run you over, even though he's not the tallest guy in the world. Shout out to my five nines and under guys. Perfectly <laughs> normal height. Um, Christian Beale Smith. He's got a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, a little girth to him. He could run you over, and I, I think that's the beauty of it is knowing with those two guys, it's not necessarily saying, okay, hey, short yard situation, throw Christian Beale Smith out there, which they might do. They might, but both guys are capable of doing that. Then you throw and, and a guy out the there. Then you throw a guy like Juju McDowell out there, and that's literally like throwing a curveball because he is so dang shifty. He gets the ball out in space. I mean, it's good night, Irene, if you want to throw a swing pass to him or, or a screen or whatever the way you want to use him out in the flat. They have the makeup to be able to do something special. And that's and, but but Mike, that's the thing. Juju can go get the he can go get the one yard too. He can, he can go. Get, he, he can go get two yards. So it's like this is it's, it's just a complicated uh, subject. Our run, the running back room at, at at Carolina because it's almost like you feel the team out. It's almost like a game time decision because all three guys are have all all three guys have everything that you want. So, I mean, it's not like you see Kevin Harris and it's like, okay, 
we we know Kevin Harris. We know what Kevin Harris is about. And I mean, hell, he was shifty too. But at the same time, okay, this dude, he he is north south down your throat, Marshawn Lynch mentality. Um, but I mean, these guys, I mean, it's they have they have such a an array of attributes that it's like, what do you do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how Coach Hardesty is making that decision. I don't know how Coach Beamer's making that decision because uh, it's tough. We'll have to wait I mean, and see. But Juju, from everything I've been told, he put a little bit more muscle on, which isn't surprising because it was his full first off season in a real weightlifting program. No disrespect. I don't want anyone's high school strength and conditioning coaches or high school coaches getting upset with me or any speed train or whatever. But I mean, this is you, Luke Day is just an absolute freak when it comes to all this. So I'm just throwing that out there that don't expect Juju to be the, you know, a string bean, not saying he was, but, you know, expect him to have a little bit more muscle out there and be like, oh, shoot. So just going back to the point you brought up, Marcus, that, yeah, he's capable of getting those short yardage, uh, too. I mean, Christian Beale Smith, I wanted almost first to say, like, like Mike said, you kind of think power back. That's what, what based on the look of him. But I, you don't want to say that because of what else he can do. And then just talking about this, I mean, it just kind of blows your mind, especially someone who, you know, I played football at a younger age, didn't take it very far. The fact that you you can have three different guys at the same position, but bring such different talents to that position. And it's still effective. And, you know, like you said, like Juju, not the biggest guy in the world. You know, he's probably put on a lot of muscle, like we just said, but he's not the biggest guy, but he's fast as hell. And then Christian Beale Smith and Lloyd, who are bigger guys, but they can also move, but they can run you over. And then Juju, yes, he's smaller, like we said, but he can go down the middle and get get you the touchdown on the one-yard line. So it's just crazy about, you know, same position, but just different skill sets, and they all can be used in different ways. And, you know, we talk about versatility. Well, the running back room is all versatility. You don't know which way they're going to hit you. And, um, you know, that's an exciting thing for them to have. But also, you know, like Marcus said, how how are they going to figure that out? How are they going to use that? We have no know. idea. We're just going to have to wait and see. The And, and you know – Nick, you made me think about like the the other element of this of the, of this whole situation. Like, yeah, we're talking about the running back room, but golly, our 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 running game in itself, like all encompassing the other element to it. I mean, like the carry on joiner. I mean, putting the ball in his hands and allowing him to be a runner. I mean, the skills that he has running the football. I mean, it's it might be. You know, if I'm ranking the carry-ons uh, abilities, like like from one, two, three, I mean, as a runner, I mean that might be his that might be his number one uh, a passer, runner, receiver, uh, blocker. I mean, running the football, he is special with the ball in his hands. And then you add the element of, I mean, you, you got a quarterback on the roster. You know, and I'm not even I mean, Luke Doty, who, who mm. I mean, the dude runs a he ran a four three in high school. You know, so I mean that that's an element that that 
it's a part of the running game. It's probably part of the plan. And then obviously, you know, Spencer Rattler, I mean, he, he, he can, he can move as well. Uh, so it, it's, it's, uh, the running game in itself. And I remember coach Beamer when he came in, you know, he, he said, we want to run the football, Wh- whatever that looks like. How, however we can scheme it up. We want to run the football. Cause I mean, no, I know Mark is cool. I know Marcus no, wants good. to talk running backs all day, and we can talk running backs all day. <laughs> I, I want to make sure we bring this up, though, because we want to talk about Rattler. I want to talk about some of these other positions. Um, one thing that you brought up, though, was how you feel. And I think, I mean, you're not going to be alone with what you said um, about Jaheim Bell. I mean, we know how dynamic mm. he is. He's not just going to be used attached to the line as a tight end. He'll be detached. He'll be used more as a receiver, I feel like, than anything else when he's out there. Um, but you also feel like he could make a big impact in the running game, don't you, Marcus? I do. Uh, and also, I mean, people, we, we want defensive coordinators to spend time, like spend time on all the possibilities of how he could get the ball. Uh, he's going to, I mean, he's going to be used as obviously – you know, in the passing game, in the in in the blocking game, but I mean, it's I mean, y- using him as a decoy in, in in the backfield or using him as a decoy out out wide. I mean, all of those situations gonna are gonna come up, you know, so that they can spend time worrying and worrying about that. But I mean, as a runner of the football, you know, his, his skill set is. I mean, it's. He can leave you like he, he he can leave you and 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 he's out of here. You know, he has that type of like big playmaking ability. And the thing about it is like. You test his numbers, you know, they're going to be great. You know, you test his broad jump, vertical jump, his 40 yard dash. You test all these things. But when it comes to guys like that, like it, he's just a football player. You know, there, there's some dudes that Debo Samuel's just a football player. You know, I mean, you you put them on defense, you put them on offense, you put them anywhere on the field, he's going to make plays. And you and when you think about what is the easiest way to get the best player to to get the ball in the hands of the best player, I mean, just put them in the backfield. And I would not, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, I, I know I'm going out. Maybe this is a stretch, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. He gets a hundred carries this year. You know anything all. we don't know? You know anything we don't know, Marcus? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, th- I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, because it, I mean, it's just a, I don't know. I, 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 I like the idea. Number one, I'm saying this from a biased perspective because I just like the idea of putting Jaheim Bell in the backfield. I don't know. It, it's just it, like if I'm playing NCAA uh, college football on Xbox or PlayStation, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to put Jaheim in, in, when he gets in the league and when he, he goes in mad, I'm probably going to put him in the backfield. So I'm saying this from like a – I know this is just me and my selfish imagination right now, but I think it's a real possibility. Just because, just because he has that skill, he has that skill set. 
I don't know what y'all think. I don't think I don't. I definitely think it's a stretch. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, maybe a hundred carries is a stretch, but I def I definitely I'm going a hundred, Nick. I'm going. I definitely think he could be used in that way. I mean, you look at any ranking of top players, top offensive players for South Carolina. I mean, even nationally, um, Jaheim Bell's name has come up, and top offensive players for South Carolina, he's number two probably. I mean, most people are going to put Rattler one, but he's number two, number three, him and Lloyd. I mean, what you saw him do in the bowl game, in the Mayo Bowl against UNC, I mean, gave a little taste because he really didn't show up to the talent we know he can be until the last couple games of the season. But, I mean, he's what gets you excited for this upcoming season. Uh, he's a huge reason South Carolina fans are excited, especially because, I mean, even off the field, he's doing, I mean, off the field in terms of workouts and everything, he's doing the right thing, but also on social media, you know, with the coach interacting with teammates in the community, he does all the right thing. I mean, how could you not get, get behind it? So I'll say, like I said, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm on board a hundred percent. I'll be rooting for it. And I'll, I'll make when NCAA 23 finally comes out, um, you know, I'll make that switch any day. I know, I know um, some people don't want to talk about the must champ error, and I understand that. I get it. Okay. But do you guys know the last time that South Carolina did not have a 100 yard? Excuse me, a running back that rushed the ball at least 100 times in a season. That was during that Outback Bowl year, 2017, when they went nine and four. AJ Turner actually led USC with 98 carries, Tyson Williams with 95. So I say all that. AJ Turner from Centerville High School? There you go. So I say all that. I say all that. I say all that. Because when you look at and I've gone back and I've looked over the last couple of years, the year Kevin Harris had, and I, mean, I don't really want to, you know, get too crazy with uh, numbers here. I'm trying to pull up what I just had. And now, of course, it wants to disappear because now I'm going to, you know, sound like uh, the, the, the thing that Ant- uh, Akib Talib always says, you know, people that dry hump stats and make a point probably prefer reading sheet music to hearing the song. I don't want to do that. Shout out to, <laughs> I love that quote. That 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 sounds like something he would say. So great. <laughs> but what I was what, what I was getting at is, I I just don't see South Carolina running the ball 30, 35 times a game. Every coach in America, they're all going to say the same, right? They want to stay balanced. The problem is. You have Spencer Rattler at quarterback. You have Spencer Rattler at quarterback. So, and the crazy thing too, Marcus, I don't even know if you're aware of this. You have to go back to the days when Marcus was there. I think you may have just left though, but still same idea. USC ran the ball 36.9 times per game during Kevin Harris's historic year. Okay. The last time they ran the ball as many times per game was all the way back in 2013. So I say that because not to beat stats, because you can make a story sound any way you want when you want to do stats. I get that. But the whole point being is 
when you look at these running backs they have, between the skill sets they have, the unique skill sets, between Jaheim Bell, could be the dark horse running back for Marcus this year in the game. Damn right. I don't know if we'll have a 1,000-yard rusher this year. I don't know how the stats will be broken up. But more importantly, I don't know how many touches they're going to get because Spencer Rattler is going to be at quarterback. I know it's not going to be Big 12 football. I know it's not going to be arena football throwing the ball, you know, 40, 50 times down the field, which is probably a good thing for Spencer in the long run for his arm. What do you just expect from this offense when you do look at Rattler at quarterback, knowing that, or at least maybe I'm going out on the limb and just assuming that this guy's going to be able to go out there and have a hell of a season with all the weapons they have at receiver, returning everyone out the offensive line, which I understand is a, is, is a concern to some people, despite the fact you're returning all five starters. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you expect this team to be a more pass-first team, and how can that impact the run game? Mm. Well, Mike... I, mean, I know you, the running back in you doesn't you, want to admit it. You 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 bring up you bring up some good points, and I mean there's a lot of talented quarterbacks across the country right now, and there's no doubt Spencer Rattler is in that top top ten. I mean there's no doubt about that. You know you could argue top five. Um, he has an arm. He's accurate. He puts it he puts it where you want it to be. Uh but I mean we in the SEC, baby. We in the SEC. <laughs> we we in the SEC, Mike. I mean, it's just I don't know. I, I th- you know, you look at the teams who, who consistently who are consistently competing at a high level and have always. I mean, God, like their running game is is strong. And then SEC, you know, which I think is just different, just different than any other conference. You run the ball, you stop the run. You know, you got a D line, and you got, and, and and you anchor on that run game. You know, and again, yes, I know I come at this from a biased perspective. I grew up watching LSU and Alabama. How could I not? You know, Georgia. I mean, like. I grew up watching these teams like just manhandle people and win national championships running the football. And I don't, I just don't think that'll ever change. Um, we, because of our depth at running back, I do agree. Like it's going to be really it's gonna, a thousand yard rusher is a stretch, you know, which I, I don't see as a problem at all, but. I mean, you got to run the ball. You got to find a way. And, I, you know, I think, you know, you look at Oklahoma, you know, if you go back to that time, I mean, yeah, they were pulling guys left and right, and, and they always had two or three backs that were just – that they could put in at any time. Um, I think it's just going to be a little bit different. You know, I, and, and you know, Marcus Satterfield, I mean, he – you know, he coached the offensive line. So I think I think there's a spot in him that wants to run the ball, you know, run wants to run the ball a little bit more. But, I mean, you, you got Spencer Rattler. So all of this is so <laughs> it, it's, it's just so unpredictable. It is. Uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, we have no idea, to be honest. It's whatever they decide to do. I imagine, I mean, you're going to look for a balance. Um, you know, with Rattler, you can beat him, you know, beat him in the air in that new revamped receiving core. And then I agree with Marcus in the fact that I think South Carolina football wants to run the ball. I just, I do. I think they want to. And I, I think that that's going to be, you know, always a part of SEC football. So I think we're going to look to the run a lot, but you have to think about the upside of, you know, if, if we're running the ball well and, or they're, and, or they're starting to stop the run, you know, you got Spencer Rattler's arm and you got Josh Van and you got, um, you know, Anton Wells and Corey Rucker. So, you know, they're going to try and balance that attack, but what are you saying, Marcus? No, no, no. I was just going to say, Nick, like, you ask any coach right now, you ask any coach, particularly in the SEC, but just across the country, they're go. I think everybody, whether they know it or not, every coach has a bias towards running the football. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just something that because it's just so uh, if you if we're speaking about like just the fundamentals of the game of football, you know, like if we take it back to that primal, that, that, that primal state, like when we started playing the game, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it goes back to like these simple, these simple fundamental lessons of like, just be tougher, Mm -hmm. you know, like be tougher, be more aggressive, like manhandle maneuver people. And that's what running the football, like, that's what it promotes. Like when, when you when you when you have a running game, like it promotes that nasty mentality. Yeah. And every coach, particularly like coaches now, because the, I mean they're they grew up in the generation where running the football, you know, the evolution of the passing game just started late. You know, running the football was that's how you played football. So it's just in coaches to have that, but also at the same, also at the same time, you know, I got, I know we got this new wave of coaches, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and, uh, you know, like just all of these guys that just want to air it out. No, if the air raid, well, air I, raid found, I found the audio that I was looking for. This is from last Thursday, this past Thursday, at the. Birdies with Beamer golf outing. Afterwards, the coaches had a chance to speak, and uh, this is what Marcus Satterfield had to say. Listen to the very end. It's about a 20-second clip. Listen to the very end, though. Definitely. I mean, again, when you play as many quarterbacks as we did and different styles of quarterbacks that we did, it's, I mean, it's hard to consistently do things. And uh, I think that... As long as we stay healthy, I think you're going to see a playbook that continues like in the bowl game. I mean, we were taking shots and pushing the ball down the field. I think we can definitely do that with Spencer. I told him the other day we didn't bring him here to hand the ball off. That last part of it. Now, granted, at the end of the day, we'll have to wait and see. But this is what this is. This is this is why I'm like. This is why I'm just like, I just don't know. You know, now hearing that, just like, does that mean South Carolina is going to throw the ball 30, 40 times and not run the ball? No. You go that's, with what's working. That's smoke. Man, that was a smoke comment smoke. from Coach. It's smoke. That's <laughs> smoke comment, man. <laughs> that's all baloney. 
I don't believe any of it. Any thoughts, Nick? That's I didn't. I had not heard that. That's just funny. I promise I wasn't telling you guys up. Right, look, right, right after we're right after that's we're just, just like that's we're just crowning the running game right now. We're just like I promise I didn't set you guys it. up. And then he just Mike, comes Mike heard one. the Mike heard the quote of me saying. You know, I think Satterfield in South Carolina wants to run the ball. And he was like, I am about to kill this. Well, I thought, I thought I remembered hearing that last week, but I'm like, unless I can find that quote, I don't want to go out and, and paraphrase and be wrong by any means. So, hey, we'll wait and see. I will say this, though, because we want to get to some Ask Marcus questions in a little bit. We have some good ones this week. Going into this camp, right, going into preseason camp, which, again, starts on Friday. South Carolina will hold their media day. So I know some people were bummed out. You never a chance to hear from Spencer or Camp Smith or Josh Van. Be our first time really hearing from Austin Stogner outside of his Garnet Trust interview that he did with us at, Gar- at Gamecock Central. What do you want to see, Nick, from this team going into preseason camp? And then I'm going to ask Marcus on the flip side of it. As a player, what are you trying to do, especially a new player? What, what what are you what are you trying to do? So I'll let Marcus kind of marinate that thought first, and Nick, you can lead things off with your with your the question I have for you. What do you want to see from this group going into preseason camp? I mean, just talking from a fan perspective, you know, you're not at the practices, you're not at the preseason camp, you're not seeing all that, but you're you know consuming what other people are reporting and everything, and you just want, in my opinion. You know, I want to see this team attack preseason camp the way they've been hyping it up all offseason. You know, they've been talking, you know, uh, you've heard from, you heard at media day, at SEC media day from Gwen and Pickens and DK. And, you know, they're all excited and they're hyped up to see what they can do in year two. And, you know, I'm just looking for them to, you know, get in, get after it tune out all the you know bs from around um you know nationally what people think they're gonna do and just go to work just get to work you know and see what they can do in year two you know you had a great first year under beamer well now you have expectations so i'm just looking for them to you know get after it i know they're gonna be working hard and then you know, they just got to put it all together and, um, you know, that's, that's up to them. And because like we've talked about, we've talked about all the questions with the offensive line, you know, I can't say anything about what I need the offensive line to do. You know, we've heard about, we have five returning starters and that's great, but there's still people who are skeptical of how that's going to turn out because you just got to see it. You got to see it to believe it. And, you know, I'm excited to see it and, you know, they're going to get after it. They're going to work hard, and I have all the confidence in the world that, you know, it's going to be a much better football team this season, and that's extremely exciting. So, yeah, no, I think they're going to they're gonna get after it, work hard. Um, positionally, like I said, the offensive line has to show the, all the fans, all the coaches, everyone, you know, that five returning starters is going to make a difference. So we'll see how that plays out. But now, Marcus, you had some time to think. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think? Particularly to your question, Mike, about a young guy coming in. Um, 
I mean, young guy or transfer in general, I guess, you know? Yeah. I mean, I kind of equate it similarly, right? You know, you're still learning the playbook, different levels, because if you're a college player like Corey Rucker, he understands what college ball is all about, right? But at the same time, too, it's like learning a new language, you know? Terminology is different, especially for a guy that wasn't here during the spring. Well, I mean, just pray to God that everybody stays healthy. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the first thing. I mean, just, you know, everybody comes out of this camp, um, you know, getting them to the starting line, getting them ready to go for the first game. Particularly with our team, I mean, with special teams being such an emphasis and they do so many of those special teams drills, like, I mean, that that's a big chunk of practice. Everybody's involved. Everybody's watching. All of the coaches coach special teams. If you can impress in that area, and you you you've um that that's something you really want to do. That's something you really want to do early, particularly with Coach Beamer with his enthusiasm around that piece of the game. Him and Pete um, Longo. Yeah, I mean they. I mean they are. Um, I mean that's just so huge for us, and I think it's. I, I think that's. You, you know, hiring Pete Limbo was was huge for us. Full time special teams coordinator and Marcus. When you have one of these yeah, young guys that's, come that's in, rare. When you have one of these young guys come in and they see, okay, they're investing so much with special teams because, of course, you know they'll have their period. They probably do more special teams periods than most teams in the country, but they have a full time special teams coach. And then another thing, which I just remember bringing up a lot when it happened, Nick Muse and this is no disrespect to him as a tight end, because I thought he did an outstanding job this year, especially blocking. He came back, and one of the main reasons he came back outside of the fact that he felt like he could do more, he wanted to play special teams. Mm. Well, he came back, and look what happened. He got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. You don't think that will be an example that Pete Lembo, Shane Beamer, that they point to saying, hey, look, this guy's in the NFL, and it's not saying that he's not capable of playing tight end. But like you said, you want to be able to find a way in the field here. It's not much different in the NFL. You want to find a way make a difference in special teams. I mean, Mike, you know you you I mean, you know the name Matthew Slater. I mean, yep. you know why he was a captain for longest tenured Patriot right now. It, Fifteen years. It, there are guys in the NFL locker room right now that they know they're not they know they're not even gonna step on the field when it comes to offense and defense. That's from Bethel, South Carolina guy. Keep going I mean, down it's the road. It's, it's South so, Carolina it's so, product, not the University of South Carolina. Sorry, Gamecock. SC man. product. SC product. It's so important. It's so it's just so, so important. Um so impressing that area, all right, to gain the respect of the coaches. Come in and, you know, when it comes to those live periods, you know, because there's going to be a few live periods. I mean, I'm pretty sure they go goal line. And I mean, there, there's going to be some situations. They're probably going to do Oklahoma drill. Impress in that area to get respect from your from your teammates. So respect is number one is what you're trying to gain. Is, is when you walk, when, because they, nobody cares how much you talk. I mean, nobody cares what your ranking was, all right, or what you did at your other school. 
you come in and you sh- and you put somebody on the ground during Oklahoma drills. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and you're flying down on, on those, you know, on those kickoff drills that, that, that Pete Lambeau sets up, you're flying down there and, and you blowing up somebody and you make it and not necessarily making the tackle, but being in the right position and doing it the way that you've been coached. You, 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 you really are separating yourself. Um, and I mean, I, I, I know that, it's just a one day at a time thing, you know, and I'm pretty sure that's the message from the coach is like, yes, we can see, we can see where the game is, but I mean, we just need to focus on this, on this next, on this next drill on, on, on the next thing. And I mean, it's, you know, those, those two things I think are, 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 are critical, but you know, you know, lastly, like, I mean, installs come so fast. Like that, like I mean, from from day one to day eight. I mean, there's probably going to be a four or five installs. You know, for, from formations to motions to shifts to, you know, uh, obviously all of the plays that you have to learn. It, it, it's can you keep up? Can you learn? What are you doing? You know, when you do have that little break, yeah, you can get your little nap in, but you also need to be looking at your playbook uh, at night. Can you put 30 minutes in? Can you put 30 minutes in before you knock out uh, 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 for the night and wake up just so you're extra prepared? So so when the question is asked in the meeting room, you don't have to worry about it. Like it, it's already up there. So I mean, I you know, all of these guys, you know, coming in, I mean, just study your ass off study your ass off go hard in those special teams drills man and because the ncaa has changed over the last couple years with the rules one of the things that you do see more of is that there's more walkthroughs there's less practice time less right there's no two a days we joked around about this last time marcus right camp candy land uh in comparison (laughs) to when we played but then you keep going back to the days of Bear Bryant and the oh, Junction man. Boys. A little bit different, you know. People would say that it was Camp Candyland for us when we played college ball. But, no doubt. but yeah, a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of mental opportunities. I mean, everyone learns differently, though. So um, hopefully they'll be able to take advantage of that. Let's wrap up with some questions. And uh, Nick, as always, you can hop on in here with the Ask Marcus questions when we can find a way to put a little twist on it for you. Um, this is Matt Callie. And Matt asked a question a couple weeks ago, and we're going to hopefully be able to get back to that again, Marcus. I think it may have been a little difficult one to put you on the spot, but uh, we'll, we'll push that one to the side right now. But he asked today, what was your favorite home win and favorite away win during your career? Thanks, and have a blessed day. Great question. Favorite home win, 2012, Georgia. Mm. Uh Bigger than the Bama one. It wasn't even Bama. It, was, it wasn't that one because, I, I mean, I, I just – I had never seen the stadium so electric when A. Sanders returned that punt. Like, I, like I, 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 I'd never been in an environment like that in my life. I don't think I, anything <laughs> like that will ever be replicated. This dude made, like, six people miss and put us up 21 to zero. And I mean, it was just like, it was just so electric. 
It was so electric. Um, Cali. Favorite away win? Florida, 2010 in the swamp. I mean, Beating you, can't, you, can't re- you, can't, you can't really top that. You can't, you can't top that in Urban Meyer's face and Coach Furrier's face. Uh, it was it was nice. Nick, as a student, I'll just say one. You know, Give me your favorite Gamecock win as a student. Oh, Georgia, 2019. Mm-hmm. Easy. Mm. Takes two seconds. Yeah, that was the big. I mean, sad to say, my years at South Carolina weren't very big in wins, so there's not too <laughs> much to choose from. But, um, like you always mentioned, the two, like, oh, six wins in two years. Yeah, I went to school for two of those years. <laughs> um, so uh, easy, Georgia. Yeah, now that hands down, we're in the circle of trust. It's just you two, and no one else is listening out there. Circle of trust. I took that weekend off to go do a speaking engagement at my high school. And I'm like, all right, because typically I wouldn't cover away games, but I'm like, yeah, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. <laughs> so I remember going home and did the speaking engagement at the high school game now that my dad's playing, and I'm watching this thing on my phone. I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. You he know what's fun? Like, you know what's funny about that game, Nick? And, what? like, it, Co- Coach Muschamp – Throughout that whole week, I mean, obviously he went mm-hmm. to Georgia. He knows the area. He said, like he said this, and it actually like it happened. Like B Mac, he went to Georgia. He was our offensive coordinator. They're going to come out sleepwalking. Like at, for some reason, noon games in Athens, Georgia always comes out. It's just like I guess it's some deep lineage of of just. <laughs> energy that happens during that time they came out sleepwalking and we were able to jump on them early wow, I, gotta ask I mean he you said that and it happened marcus no, we gotta, really we gotta bring it back to this time now you say noon games in athens can it be replicated noon games in columbia for the bulldogs can they come out sleepwalking at noon i know it's not in athens it's in columbia but since usc's playing georgia at home this year could you it's see the ball? It's, it's, in it's in them. It doesn't matter where they are. Home, away, Mars, doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. It's in them. Okay. I can we promise got, and we, one. And, and we can jump on them early. I was going to say I can promise one thing. Columbia won't be asleep. Uh-uh. They won't be sleepwalking. <laughs> South Carolina will not be. So if they even come in a little bit, you know, a little drowsy or anything, I mean, it is, it is funny to look at the schedule. Because, you know, you look at that schedule and it's Arkansas and then Georgia and, like, that hmm. is tough. It's SEC schedule. It's going to be tough. Arkansas. But, Ugh. yeah, that game's huge. That game's huge. And, but, you know, you look at it. We're talking game, about running the football. Them damn Razorbacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going – I mean, that game's at, at Razorback Stadium. That's 11 a.m. You want to talk about sleepwalking? You got to make dang sure you ain't sleepwalking. 11 a.m. local time. We'll uh, we'll we'll do our best to just try to go through these as quickly as possible and kind of just have our initial thoughts instead of digging in a little bit deeper on it. Uh, Reed Anderson asks, and you guys both can answer this: What's your realistic SEC East predictions? We'll just focus on the Gamecocks um, as far as that one's concerned, just for time. East. Wow. I'm going 
I'm going us fourth. Finishing fourth. And, yeah, finishing fourth in the SEC East. Probably, I'd say, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, us. I think Florida finishes behind us, 100%. You're saying we beat Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky? Oh, no, I'm saying, like, SEC East rankings, we finish fourth behind Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky. I, th- I, I think we beat uh, – I think we beat Kentucky. I think we beat Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think we beat Florida. You think That's we where I am two? right now. I think two. I think I can. I think the challenging part with South Carolina is because they have that Arkansas game week two. I can see them beating those teams you mentioned, Marcus. I can see them beating Tennessee, yet still finishing behind Tennessee, because. Yeah. Just how difficult yeah. the year is early on. Yeah. I feel like they're going to get better as the year goes on. So I'm I'm still back and forth on it. I'll probably say third in the East. And the reason why I'd say that is because, and it's not necessarily yeah. fair to these players and this coaching staff, but I've seen this song and dance since covering this team in 2016. Anytime there's been a little bit of buzz, and I know the buzz is bigger now than it's been in quite some time, it's always come up a little short. So until they prove that, I think that's where I'm going to have them at third. But I think it's going to be a very, very good season still for USC. Moving along now. Uh, I don't even know if I really want to ask this one. Um, NYC Gamecock, not an easy one, um, he says, but ask him with the with, – for his views on the Deshaun Watson verdict. I'll say this. I'll, I'll give you guys two seconds to say anything. You don't even have to. I'm just going to leave it at this. It's Ooh. just a, it's just a very – it's an unfortunate situation. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. It's an unfortunate mm-hmm. situation. I think we can all look at it in – you know, it's not just a – you know, when you look at USC – I get that. With this, it, it, that's not what it's about. It's just an yeah. unfortunate situation. No. And that's kind of how even, I it's that. not. I I honestly, throughout all this going on, I forgot even even went to Clemson for a little bit. I I didn't even think of that. Um, yeah, it's just Marcus. You, know. you don't have to touch it if you want, if you don't want to. But I, I'll say I'll say this. Uh, um, Deshaun Watson, I mean, obviously means a lot to this state. He means a lot to the state of South Carolina. Um, if, if there are victims, I pray for them. I send my love to them. Um, Deshaun Watson, he means a lot to this state and I appreciate everything he did for this state. All right. Moving along. Let's see. <laughs> Joe Bow one U.S. And I don't know if that's supposed to be like a word or something, so I apologize if, I, if I'm missing that. Just reading it the way it's in front of me. Marcus obviously keeps himself in good shape. What are his secret food pleasures he only indulge in every now and then? Main course and dessert. Feel free to let me know. Oh, man. Well, What's let your him cheat know. day? Mine are fried pork chops and Girl Scout caramel delights. Please ignore if this has already been asked. Thanks, Mike. I don't think it's been asked. I, it hasn't. What's the oh, cheat day I, I, looking like, Marcus? I, I definitely indulge um, on the weekends. It's 
I mean, it's this place just 10 minutes from where I live called Burger Stevens. It's, I mean, it, it, it reminds you of Shake Shack. Love oh, Shake yeah. Shack. Um, same, same type of fries, same type of burger, the smash patty, mm. that sauce, ridiculous. Um, what what else do I indulge in? I love. T- I mean, I I think Thai food is indulgence. I mean, golly, I just love Thai food. Pad Thai. Um, oh yeah. Have you, Marcus? Have you ever had Duke's Pad Thai in Colombia? I haven't. It is. It's on. Um. It's across the bridge in Casey. And what do you uh, get? I always just get chicken. I get chicken and steak Pad Thai. Ooh. And it's like this small hole in the wall. Doesn't like it look. It's like next to a dry cleaner or something. So good. It I is so I, good. I know what you're talking about. I'd never went there though. It's my go-to. Like if I want pad thai, hundred percent. And I'm in Colombia. I'm going there. Duke's pad it's thai. So That's on the list. This mm-hmm. one's a good one. This is a good one coming up. I want to read the quick note from uh, True Garnet though before I, I get to the question. It says, "I just want to say what an inspiration you are, my man. I was a freshman in 2010, just like yourself. We actually spoke a couple times our sophomore year when we both lived in East Quad. Not only were you an amazing football player, but more importantly, you are a better person off the field. Hope I'm not coming across as a dramatic, as dramatic or weird." Online discourse doesn't always come across as intended. Just wanted to say thank you for all that you did. Hope all is well. So that was a little note that he added. But the question was, Marcus. East Quad. Oh, my goodness. East Quad. East Quad. We uh, Stephen Garcia shared an East Quad story the other day. <laughs> um, but he says, Marcus, I think this one's interesting. Marcus, what's your thoughts on Spurrier's ability and approach as a recruiter? Did he take a more hands-off approach, letting his assistants do the heavy lifting? I think some people have unfairly labeled him as lazy when it came to recruiting, and I'm hope I get some type of clarity on it. Uh, really good question. First, first off, his, I mean. Coach Spurrier is who he is, direct. He's he's what is advertised. Um, he's a character. He he he's direct. He's um, you know, just I always have a hard time describing Coach Spurrier. Um in recruiting. I mean, he just told you the truth. He just told you the truth. He 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 didn't really try to sell you on anything. He just told you the truth about what your experience would be like if you came to South Carolina. Uh, he didn't try. He didn't try to sell you. Um, he he definitely had some talented recruiters on his staff. Uh, so I mean, that's partly true. You know, like. But I mean, Coach Spurrier, like you, you were coming to play for, you were coming to play for a legend. You were coming to play for somebody who knew what they, who could put you in a position to 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 be successful. Like you, you, you knew that. Like that's something that you knew innately. That's something you knew from the coach that was recruiting you. Um, 
I, I mean, I would I wouldn't say he 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 wouldn't he he's not out here doing all of this all of this crazy stuff that's happening now. I mean, because he didn't really have to, you know. I mean, it, it was just he was direct. I mean, he didn't he wasn't a recruiter. Like in recruiting, he wasn't recruiting. He was just telling you what your experience would be like. Um, sorry if I I didn't answer your question. It's just hard to describe Coach Spurrier. Um, no dis he never disrespected anybody. He just wasn't a recruiter. He he's a football coach. He's a football coach, and um, you know, just a just a, he's just a character, man. He's just a character. He really is. I don't think we're going to be able to, unfortunately, get to all the questions this week. So we'll bump some next week. But uh, <laughs> I think this is a neat one. Bob Burns, what high school did you look forward to playing the most? Mm. And this is I a, mean, the, like, the, the, the rival. Let me read the dormant. name, too. I want to give a shout out to uh, Gamecock OX. Dorman was all Dorman was our crosstown rival. It was only like 10 miles away. And I mean, games versus Dorman would be 5,000, 10,000 people. Um, you know, my, the third round of the playoffs, my junior year, there was 25,000 people um, at, at, at a high school game. Mm. You know, so those games were always exciting. We always had people uh, we were playing against a guy going to Clemson. I'm going to South. I didn't know at that time I was going to South Carolina, but there was a lot of Clemson, Carolina. It was just like a, it was just like playing Carolina versus Clemson. That's what it felt like, Burns versus Dorman. Shout out to, um, can we do? I don't know if Mike, if you can, yeah, maybe I think you can. Marquis Anderson, Marquis Anderson, yep. I we can, can say. Shout, oh, congrats, congrats to Marquis Anderson. Eight, I know we didn't even let's let's just let's just end right there, and and guys. Uh, Again, you know, the ones that submitted questions that we didn't get to ask this week, we'll bump them in back into last week. We'll bump them into next week's show. South Carolina is able to land the highest commitment in the Shane Beamer era this past week with Marquis Anderson. But on top of that, they were able to land two of the top four prospects in that same weekend. In that same weekend, because mm. they were able to, to land um, Rames out of uh, Sumter, who was a edge player. They do that. They are keeping guys in state. They are putting that fence up. Now South Carolina has moved up to number 22 in the consensus team rankings for recruiting for the class of 2023, which does not count uh, the 2024 commitment of Dante Reno. Just your quick thoughts before we wrap things up, what Shane Beamer was able to do in this coaching staff, that momentum that they were able to pick up, especially in the months of June and July before going into training camp, and what that could do, because you know what? There could be another one. Could be another one coming soon. I know there's a big one out there. Everyone's hoping that Babalate, a.k.a. Big Tree, another offensive lineman who, if South Carolina could land him, he would be the biggest, both in stature and on paper, um, commitment in the Beamer era. I mean, early on, we talked about how fans will be like, you know, where are the four stars? Where are the five stars? Class of 2023 has seven four stars. And it seems like with each commitment, they just keep getting better. Because I remember, I think, was it, is it Reams committed? And then within 24 hours, 
he was the he was like the highest commitment, and then within twenty hours, Marky Anderson committed, and he's now the highest commitment under the Beamer era. So I mean, they're just adding on. They just keep up. They're just keep on rolling, and you know, people are seeing what Beamer's building and what South Carolina's building, and all you're seeing on Twitter is something special's coming. So no, it's just good to see. Keep on, keep the four stars coming. For sure. I mean, it's looking reminiscent of. Uh, of 20 i mean 20 2009 2000 i mean like just the you look at the cities you look at the cities and you look at the talent it's really reminiscent um of of, of what's happening i mean we got sumter out there and we, we got, sumter's always been a big town for south carolina recruiting um the upstate jacksonville uh those small towns in georgia putting together a squad i'm excited just a reminder that today's show was brought to you by Bet Online. Use our promo code Believe fifty to receive fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit, guys. By the next time we do this show, the Gamecocks will have already hit the practice field for their first preseason practice. We'll take a look into that. We'll also recap Media Day for South Carolina, which is set to take place on Thursday, August fourth. We'll have a lot more to talk about for the upcoming season. We appreciate you guys listening to Believe in South Carolina. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.